0: Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, it's my privilege to bring to the platform tonight a friend of the house. I'm talking about not just a friend, but a a son of the house in a way. He's bone of our bone. He's flesh of our flesh. He's one of us. He and his wife, Latoya, and their precious two children. Recently, he has taken over the, the senior leadership role at Willow Church in Lake Jackson, Texas. Now, I want to tell you something about Lake Jackson and Willow. Willow is literally moving into a sustained move of the Holy Spirit. Their leadership in the past have been spectacular. They have been wonderful. They've got great leaders. The pastor that had been there for many years had set them up for this moment to pass the baton to Pastor Derek. Their team's amazing. Their church is amazing. Their worship is amazing. Their preaching is amazing. So he is the new pastor in Texas at Willow Church in Lake Jackson, Texas. He took off today to be here with us. Would you help me welcome our friend, our brother, a leader of leaders, Pastor Derek Snodgrass.
1: Come on and put your hands together for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's worthy. Amen. Come on, Psalm 47 and 1 says, Clap your hands, all ye people, and praise the Lord. Come on, don't patty cake it, but use your praise weapons. Come on, make a statement with the slapping of your hands. Clap your hands, all ye people, and praise the Lord. And that same Psalm 47 and 1 says, Lift up your voice and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus you can be seated in the presence of the lord amen god is good excited to be back in the house tonight at christ fellowship church home of the north georgia revival god is so good i counted a privilege and an honor to be here i'm um, just gonna ask you to go to the word of god acts chapter 28 Going to begin reading at verse 1 through 10. Um, like Pastor Todd said, I'm just excited to be walking in a new ex- assignment. Thank God for Willow Church. I missed you guys today. Thank you guys for watching tonight. And um, as you're getting to Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, just want to give honor to God who's ahead of my life. Just thank God for everything that he's doing for me and my family. Give honor to my wife who's here tonight. Honey, wave your hands. Love you. All of the revival host pastors, Pastor Paulo, Pastor Marty, Pastor Robbie, Pastor Jill, Pastor Amy, Pastor Jeff. Thank God for them, all that you guys do. I just want to thank God for my spiritual parents, Pastor Todd and Karen Smith. Love you guys. Thank you guys for everything that you've done in my life, my family's life, and for just carrying the move of God. I know that everyone in here can say that along with God bringing us to where we are, Pastor Todd and Pastor Karen have been a blessing in our lives. Amen. I can say that. All right. Acts chapter 28, just going to ask us to stand as we go through the word of God. Not a long word, but a strong word. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. We're going to start reading at verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Somebody say Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness, They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess of justice has not allowed him to live. Verse five, but Paul shook the snake off. Paul shook the snake off. Look at somebody and say, shake it off. Into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said, well, he must be a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. Somebody say he healed him. Verse nine, when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we need Spirit of the living God, do what only you can do, not by might and not by power, but by your spirit. Father, I pray that as we go through your word, you allow your word to go through us. Father, our prayer tonight is that you would be glorified, that the church would be edified, and that the devil would leave horrified. Father, we just give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Tonight... For the next few moments, we're just gonna speak from the subject, miracles in Malta. Somebody say miracles in Malta. Keys to revival, keys to revival. And so when we look at the text tonight, we see that Paul is setting sail. He is on a ship and he's actually headed to get his sentence because he had been passed through several hands and now he is looking for judgment as a result of the crime that he had been accused of, which was preaching the gospel. And so Paul is now on a ship, and the Lord has appeared to him multiple times, and the Lord has given him the assurance that even though he is currently in a negative situation, that the hand of the Lord is going to bring him out, and that his life will be spared. Um, Specifically, Jesus appeared to him in a dream and forewarned him that the ship would end up in a terrible crash, but that no one on the ship would be lost and that they would make it to shore on broken pieces. Somebody say broken pieces. And that should be a word of encouragement to each and every one of us tonight that even though you may find yourself in an unexpected storm, how many of you know that sometimes just because you're in a storm is not an indication that you've done something wrong, but sometimes we find ourselves in a storm because we've done something right. And although you may be in a storm tonight, although you may be going through hell, I came to let you know that no one... One will be lost, and that you're going to make it on broken pieces. Somebody say, I'm going to make it on broken pieces. And so what the enemy meant for bad, God is going to turn it around for his good. And so this story takes place around 58 AD, and Paul is giving the warning to everyone on the ship, and of course, lo and behold, the ship ends up in a storm, and it crashes, and the ship is shattered. And so at this point, those that can swim, they jump ship, and they begin to swim to shore. But those that can't, they grab pieces of the ship, and they float safely to sea, and everyone is sustained. Now, this is where the text really picks up because now they are on an island, and this island is called Malta. Somebody say Malta. And they're on this island called malta and i thought it was interesting because malta was never in paul's original plans for evangelism or the gospel this is almost like an interruption to where he was actually going this wasn't on his radar this isn't something god spoke to him and said you're going to evangelize in malta but this came as a result of a shipwreck. And sometimes we find ourselves in life in shipwrecks, and then we carry regret and sorrow and condemnation because we feel like we're not at the place that we were purposed to be. But I came to tell somebody that God is going to get the glory out of where you are right now in your life. <laughs> that God is going to bring you to an expected end. Somebody say an expected end. That expected end is a predetermined end. And so we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So we see Paul tonight as he lands on this island called Malta. And the Bible says that when he landed safely ashore, verse 2, it says that the islanders showed them unusual kindness They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And I think that if we look at the text tonight, we can really extract truths from the scripture that will give us the keys to not only how to ignite revival, but also how to sustain revival. Somebody say we're going to sustain revival. And so point number one, it says this. It says that God will raise up destiny helpers. God will raise up destiny helpers. How is this significant, Pastor? What do you mean? I mean that in order for us to get to the place that God wants us to be, God is going to strategically raise up people to use their influence, their talent, and their ability to help forward his agenda for your life. Somebody say destiny helpers. And so sometimes when we're looking at people who are going to connect to our purpose, when we look at people who God has assigned to help us get to that next level, oftentimes we look at it and we package it up and we frame it in a certain way that we think God has to do it on our terms and on our conditions. But oftentimes the people that God will send into our life to help us, to aid us, oftentimes may not come from the areas or the places that we would expect. Oftentimes, God will use people who may not look like us, who may not act like us, who may not think like us. Sometimes, God will raise up people who aren't even saved. The Bible says that the islanders showed unusual kindness to Paul. Now, these islanders, we got to take note, they're on a pagan island. This is not a God-fearing island. These people don't worship the true and living God. Matter of fact, when the ship crashed and they came on sea, their first initial thought was that he must be a murderer and the goddess of justice is punishing him. And so although these people don't believe in the truer living God, God has strategically assigned them to help forward the agenda that he has for Paul's life. God will raise up destiny helpers. Somebody say, Destiny helpers. I decree over your life that God is going to open up the windows of heaven, and God is going to send the right connections. I decree divine connections over your life. I decree strategic relationships, favor to flow through you, sovereign setups in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I receive it. And so the Bible says that the islanders showed unusual kindness, and the first thing that the islanders did, the Bible says they built a fire. Somebody say, they built a fire. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was cold and raining. And I love this because the ship seems like to us would be the primary focus or the responsibility or the area that needed the most attention because that's their vehicle of transportation. But the Bible doesn't say they initially started to work on building the ship The Bible says that the first thing on their agenda was that they began to build a fire. Somebody said, I need to build a fire. And so the islanders began to build a fire, and they begin to gather sticks, even though it was raining and it was cold. And oftentimes, we get distracted, we get sidetracked by our circumstances, by our physical ailments, by our material world, and we let that become an excuse as to why we do not build the fire of God in our life. But regardless of what you may be facing in the natural, I came to encourage you tonight and let you know that you need to begin to build the fire of God in your life. Somebody said, I need to build a fire. Okay, and so it says it was raining and cold, but they built a fire. Then verse 3 says, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself onto his hand. And so the islanders are the one who built the fire. God raised them up and he used them to help Paul. But the second point is you have to cultivate your own fire. Somebody say, I have to cultivate my own fire. So even though God will use someone who will ignite fire, most of us when we got saved, when we gave our hearts to Jesus, when we gave our lives to the Lord, it was a result of some sort of external stimuli. Perhaps you heard a word. Perhaps you had an encounter. Perhaps God touched you at an altar. Perhaps God met you in the water. These are things that are fire starters. These are things that are encounters that trigger us to go closer to the presence of God, but how many of you know those things alone will not sustain us? Those are things that ignite fire, but it's going to be our responsibility to maintain and cultivate that fire in our life. The Bible says in verse three that Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, So even though they started the fire, it was Paul who continued to tend the fire. It says that he gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire. And so it is our responsibility to continue to invest in our walk with the Lord. It is our responsibility that we read the word of God. It is our responsibility that we seek the Lord in prayer. All the time when we don't see things happening, it's not necessarily because something is not going on or is going on in the pulpit or the church. But how many of you know we all have a responsibility? Somebody said we all have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility to praise the Lord. We all have a responsibility to keep our bodies pure. We all have a responsibility to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Lord. If any man destroy this temple, him will God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. We all have a responsibility to pray and exercise the will of God. We all have a responsibility to give. Somebody say we have a responsibility. And so we have this responsibility to cultivate God's fire in our life. So as Paul is cultivating the fire, as he gathers the brushwood, the Bible says that a snake was driven out. Now watch this. The snake was specifically driven out of the fire because of the heat. It was the fire that brought the snake out. The fire of God in your life will expose the snakes around you. Somebody said, well, well, Pastor, you know, if, if the fire God is going to make these snakes come out, then I don't know, I might be cool. See, see, but here's the deal. The fire does not create the snakes. The fire draws them out. So here's the deal. I can help you. The snakes are already around you. So you want the fire of God in your life to expose every diabolical attack of the enemy. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When you look at this situation with the snakes and with the fire, I mean, here's the deal. I'm telling y'all that y'all got snakes on y'all team. Y'all just don't know it. Because vipers, you know, they're cold-blooded. They don't have the circulatory system. So they can be as still as this speaker right here. And, and they're camouflaged. When I study vipers, Pastor Robin, they're camouflaged. You got to have the fire of God in your life. You don't want to be going through your purpose and through your destiny. And then you're snake bitten. And by the time he reveals himself, it's too late. He's already done the damage. A lot of y'all think y'all cool, but y'all, that's the issue. You are too cool. You're cold. You're cold. These snakes are too comfortable in your surroundings. There is no fire in your life. When the fire of God, the Bible says that sin would abound, watch this, and the love of many would wax cold. You're cold. Snakes all around you. There's no fire. Vipers, they'll be so still and they'll be camouflaging their surroundings. And then it'll get to the point when they're ready to strike. It is a quick, sudden death. By the time the the victim realizes what has happened, it's too late. So the Bible says, watch this, that the snake, the viper, fastens on to Paul's hand. And the Bible says that the islanders are looking, and I can just see the suspense on their eyes. Because they've already marked him because they assumed he was a murderer. So they're like, yo, he's getting what he deserves. He's getting what he deserved, I bet you. So they're all looking and the Bible says they expected him to die. And I'm telling you tonight that some of you, the enemy has counted you out because of what you've been through and because of what you're going through and he expected you to die. But I decree and declare that you shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. Somebody say live. He said, you shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. So the the viper fastened on to his hand, and all of the people are expecting Paul to die, to swell up, the Bible says, and to die. But I love Paul because this shows you the authority of the believer. The Bible says, He shakes it off. He shakes it off. Somebody say shake it off. See, a lot of stuff fastened on to you. And a lot of what fastened on to you may have fastened on because of different reasons. The root of all of it is sin. There is an open door to the enemy. It may have been what your mama did or what your daddy did or a word curse or what people spoke over your life. But you are not what you've been through and you are not what they said about you. You are who God says you are. You can do what God says you can do. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. I came to let you know tonight, you need to shake it off. Somebody say shake it off. Shake off that sickness. Shake off that disease. Shake off that depression. Shake off that anxiety. Somebody say shake it off. So he shakes it all. He shakes the viper into the fire. And it's destroyed. So the same fire that exposes the snakes in your life is the same fire that destroys them. Somebody say we need the fire guy. God. Same fire that exposes the snakes is the same fire that destroys them. And so when the snakes were destroyed by the fire... The Bible says that all of the islanders said he's a God. I love this because it's so applicable to the times we're living in now. You know, when we look at what we're going through, what we're facing in our country, what we're facing in our world, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, I don't know, uh, I shouldn't do this, or I shouldn't do this, or I'm fearful, or I'm afraid, you know, or I'm just being cautious. But this is what the Bible says. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's COVID. Come on, I don't care if it's monkeypox. I don't care what disease or what issue. The Bible says that we'll tread upon on scorpions, it says, Behold, I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. He said, Nothing by any means will be able to hurt or harm you. He says, You can drink poison and it will not hurt you. He said, You can take up serpents and scorpions. It's just the Bible. Somebody says, Just the Bible. So, that doesn't mean like you know, you be ignorant and you tempt God and you do stupid stuff on purpose. That just means that, you know, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So I'm not about to lower my standard of living to accommodate what the enemy is placing on the body of Christ. That's all that means. You know, you got, and I hate, you know, you got silly people. They have services and they snake handling services. Okay, y'all are going to get bit and y'all are going to die. And they die. Yeah, that's not that. We're not going to tempt God, right? The devil said, well, if you Jesus throw yourself off of the cliff and the angels will pick you up. Well, they would have, but I'm not going to just do that. I don't have anything to prove to you. I don't have to do those things to prove my identity in Christ. But if a snake comes out unexpectedly and fastens to me, I will live and I won't die. So, I mean, I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, y'all can get mad at me if y'all want to. But here we are with COVID. Here we are. Don't adjust and get in fear. Fear is of the devil. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Now, do what you got to do to make yourself feel comfortable, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Don't come against me. Somebody say, don't come against me. I'm going to do the book. So watch this. The Bible says that... The people expected him to swell up. He didn't swell up. And they said, he's a God. This is because they were pagan. They weren't Christian. So their mindset was carnal. I couldn't find the exact number, Pastor Karen, but theologians say at this time, there were thousands of people who inhabited this island. A pagan people who don't know God. And so the Bible says, after he shook it off, somebody say shake it off. After he shook it off, watch what happens, verse 7. It says that there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. There was an estate nearby, watch this, that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home, and he showed us generous hospitality for three days. Here it is. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him, and healed him. Okay. So this is a key to revival. The fire has been ignited. The fire of God has been started. The people are in amazement because of the power of God that Paul is walking in. You see, this comes from inheritance, and it just comes through identity. See, Paul is not striving and, you know, uh, you know trying to make revival come out. See, you, you mess yourself up when you get into that striving stuff. It doesn't work like that. He's not striving. He's not working anything up. He is just walking in identity as a believer. Paul is on the island and Paul is not thinking about a miracle. He's not thinking about a miracle. oh oh well, we need revival on this island because everybody's sinner, so I really got to make something happen, I got to make something happen. He just walks in kingdom authority. It's like breathing. The snake fastens on, and here's the deal. People always want to come against miracles, but the fact that Paul didn't die from the snake is what got everybody's attention. It was a demonstrated power of the Holy Spirit, and that's the bottom line. That's all it takes today. That's all it takes today. We get in such fear. We get in such anxiety. Let a snake bite some, somebody up in here tonight. A poisonous viper. Or just anywhere. Let a snake fasten on, and you know it's poisonous and it's a viper. I mean, we're really gonna start freaking out. Now, I'm not saying that we're not gonna pray. I'm not saying that we're not going to believe, but there's going to be some doubt and some fear and some anxiety to where you're like, oh, God, please, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. He just shakes it off. It's different. We're supposed to be ahead of that 2,000 years later. We are supposed to be ahead of that. He just shakes it off. He doesn't even sweat. He's just like, oh, shoot. Listen, if a snake fastens onto me, y'all better pray for the snake because it's just going to die. That's just it. He shakes the snake off, and it is the miracle that happens when his life is sustained and he suffered no ill effects that caught the attention of the island. In the next verse, you see that they invite him to the highest official's house on the island. Publius, the man who owns the island, he shows them this extreme kindness. Now watch this Pastor Marty they just thought he was a murderer You go from a murderer who deserves this, who needs to be killed to the next moment because they saw the authentic power of God, they invite him into the highest official's home Watch, 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 watch this They didn't just invite him into the home, but there was a purpose. Somebody say there was a purpose. Now, this is going to be a hard word. Somebody say hard word. I know, I know. Okay, wait, you can do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. All right, so here's the deal. They invite him into the house for three days. They show him generosity and kindness. But why? Because Publius' father... Sick. Let's read it. The Bible says that Publius, the chief official of the island, was nearby. He welcomed us into his home and showed us generosity, hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. So this is like fever and dysentery is like gastrointestinal, intestinal issues, bleeding, stuff like that with his digestive system, intestinal issues. And so Paul is invited in because they see authentic power and if God could save him from swelling up and dying, I know God can heal my father. That's the power of testimony. They have seen it. The Greek testimony, word for testimony It means evidence. So it is the evidence of God in our lives that causes other people to overcome. This is why the Bible says that we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the words of our testimony. You know, the Bible says that when they went to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus as well. Because Lazarus was evidence of resurrection life. So they said, even if we kill Jesus and take him off the scene, if Lazarus still remains, then people will still believe. So the enemy, he wants to destroy all evidence of God being magnified in your life. But how many of you know that God wants to show evidence through us? God wants to show that he's still a healer. He wants to show that he can still save. He wants to show that he can still deliver. He wants to show that he can still make us whole. He wants to show that he's God. Somebody say he's God. Okay, so watch this. Paul went in to see Publius' father, who's sick has the century and the expectation is that he'll heal him somebody say he'll heal him watch this Paul went in verse 8 to see the father and after prayer placed his hands on him watch this And healed him. Okay. Now watch this. Here's the issue. Here's the deal. This is what we got to look at. We have to get to a place. As believers. Where all of us. Are walking in. The true. Authentic. Power of God. At all times. God had a purpose for this island, and when we wrap it up, it's going to blow your mind when you see where the island is today. God had a purpose for this island, and I think that it's great that as believers, we've seen these waves of healing movements, and we've seen these waves of revival, and you get people, you know, and they teach us, you know, just go for it. You know, take the risk. And that's a great first step. You know, it is a mess that we're even teaching people that you have to take the risk now. It's not even a risk. We're in Christ. I'm just saying. But that we're in baby waters 2,000 years post this story. We have to move beyond milk and get to the meat of what Christ died to give us. Okay, so watch this. Can you imagine this? This is an opportunity of a lifetime. Paul is not looking for fame. Paul is not looking to be on TV. He's not looking for any of that stuff. He is just advancing the kingdom of God. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. You don't need to pray about that. God, is it your will that, that, that you heal them? We still arguing and trying to preach and persuade people it's God's will to heal everybody. But we would rather take our experience because we prayed for 100 people and they didn't get healed. Now we want to make our theology based off our experience and not the word of God. Okay, so if we got a debate about that, that you ain't about to walk in this. You're not ready. Here's an opportunity of a lifetime, thousands and possibly tens of thousands of pagan idol worshipers. This is not the time to practice your gift. It's showtime. Somebody say it's showtime. And listen, the rubber has met the road now. And I'm telling you, if it was ever a time where the rubber was meeting the road, it's in 2022. Now's the time for us to display authentic power. Let the church be the church. Okay, so watch this. This is what happened. I got to wrap up. This is what happens. So what happens is the Bible says he goes into the father-in-law, right? And he prays. Y'all got to catch this nugget. Because in the text, it doesn't just say he just went in and, and, and laid hands on the father-in-law. He was healed. I'm not hitting you, honey. He didn't just go for it. Although we have authority to heal the sick at all times, right? I'm in the right house. Y'all know that, right? We have authority and it's God's will all the time, every time. And even if I don't experience that, I'm not deviating from the word. So watch this. The Bible says this, because here's a key that we can all grasp from this, and it's a hidden nugget. He doesn't just go for it. The Bible said he prayed first. See, the Holy Spirit is a creative spirit, and whenever healing takes place, even in Jesus' ministry, it's usually different. The methods are different. He might lay hands on you. He might speak a word. He might scream and say, Lazarus, come forth!" He might put some spit in a mud ball. The Holy Spirit is a creative spirit. Look at Elijah's ministry. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's not the same. He may lay full body face flat and heal somebody. Now, listen, if they do that now, y'all better get off. <laughs> don't lay on my kid if <laughs> they don't get up. Okay, so watch this. He prays because here's the deal. You want to hear heaven's conversation on the matter first. You want to get your instructions first. How is God specifically calling or speaking to you to heal this individual? It matters. It matters. Bible says he prays, gets his instructions. Then he lays hands on the father and he's healed. He's healed. It's that simple. It's not a big deal. You don't have to ask God, is it his will to heal? Jesus paid too high of a price for us to still be asking that. That's atonement. It's a part of our covenant blessings. People are going and asking God, if it be your will, God heal me. No, no, no. He already said it in his word. When the apostles was walking by the gate called Beautiful, the man is at the gate begging for alms and he's lame. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And he got up and walked. We're not there yet. We don't approach healing like that. We don't walk in authority that way. It's off. So watch this. Somebody say, walk in authority. This comes out of identity. I can appreciate it. I don't want y'all to think I'm being hard on you. I can appreciate taking risks. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I can appreciate you going for it in faith. If that's not what you're accustomed to walking in, I can appreciate you overcoming your fear and trepidation to at least go for it. But I'm telling you, when it's showtime, that's not the time to give those prophetic words and say, I'm still practicing. It may not be right. It's not the time. Listen, when you out on mainstream and the world is watching you, you will jack up an opportunity to win for the kingdom. Don't go out in mainstream talking about I'm practicing my prophet. You practice your prophetic word at your house with your wife and your dog. Don't practice on people because you will mess up somebody's life and then they won't respect your ministry. Okay, so watch this. I hear you, Pastor Karen. So watch this. He went in to see him, and after prayer, verse 8, he placed his hands on him, and he healed him. Watch what the text says. This will blow your mind, too. It didn't say Jesus healed him. It didn't say the Holy Spirit healed him. It said Paul healed him sacrilegious no it's not he is working through the power of the Holy Spirit but because Christ lives in us we are now the body of Christ on the earth we are his legal representatives that means we represent God Paul Hildon Paul Hildon People say, well, I know if Jesus was here in his physical body, you'd be healed. Jesus is here in his physical body. It's us. We are the body of Christ. Period. We are the body of Christ. They need to be healed. (laughs) All right. Now watch this. I got to go. But watch this. Y'all, this is going to blow your mind. Somebody say, preach, Pastor There, Preach. All right, I'm trying, I'm trying. Here we go. So it says this, verse 9, when this had happened, here's a revival. When this, this simple, it didn't take all the no craziness. This is just what we should be walking in. Paul got shipwrecked and ended up getting sidetracked. What was an interruption that actually turned out to be an illustration, God used it and turned an entire island around. This wasn't even on the radar. It's incredible. This is true power and kingdom authority. And this is not just privy to Paul. This is not just for leadership. This is not for pastors. This is every believer that is bloodwashed. He's shipwrecked. He doesn't expect to be here, but watch this. Here's revival. This is how revival triggers. When this had happened, verse 9, the rest of the sick on the island, watch this, came and they were cured. That's revival. Listen, there's this so many instances, we can't name them all, where the Bible makes it exceedingly clear that it's God's will for every single person to be healed. This is one of them. The Bible says this pagan island with unbelievers. Oh, I'm getting worked up. I feel like running. The Bible says that this pagan island with sinners, thousands, came and every single one of them was healed. Not one of them was left unhealed. You think that all of them met the conditions? You think none of them could have used a lesson in patience? You think all of them were just at this point where they were so much further than you? We're saved and we have the blood of Jesus that speaks on our behalf at all times. You got more than what they had. Okay. So now you got this whole island in an uproar. You got a pagan island, and all of these people are heathens. Paul was there for reasons, and I'm closing. Paul was there for reasons that were unexpected. He was shipwrecked. The prophetic word came forth, which was that even though you're shipwrecked, you're going to make it to shore on broken pieces. Nobody's going to be lost. But while he's there, he didn't sulk and complain and curse God and say, why me? And this shouldn't happen. I shouldn't even be on trial. I was preaching the gospel. He gets to work doing kingdom business. Now watch this. All of the people are coming in droves and they're all getting saved and they're all getting healed. Every single one of them was cured. And the Bible says that after this happened, it says that they honored them in many ways. One of the ways that they were honored is because the first priority on Paul and his men's agenda wasn't to build their own vessel it wasn't to go after the material things it wasn't to restructure the ship the first agenda was to build a fire and I'm telling us today tonight that if we make God's priority our priority if we cultivate the fire of God in our life we will see revival fires break out in us and spread throughout our region throughout our country, throughout our world. And so when you look at what Paul says, the Bible says that they honored them in many ways. The final verse says this, verse 10. It says they honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. God is not gonna allow you to fall short in pursuit of his presence. You're not gonna lose anything as a result of cultivating God's fire in your life. Paul built a fire. The fire was sustained. And many lives were changed. And God didn't do something in Paul that he is not willing to do in each and every one of us. The mandate is the same. The mission is the same. The calling is the same. Somebody put your hands together and give God some praise. (laughs) Miracles in Malta. I'm done. What I love about this story, I love the Bible. I just love the Bible. I love reading the word of God. I love digging out things and finding information. And I love the authenticity of the scriptures. I was doing some secular research on the Bible, and I just love how demographically Malta, it was in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It was considered a country. It passed through the Romans' hands, the Greeks' hands, the Assyrians' hands. It was passed through everybody. It was this pagan island, completely pagan, godless. And I read that even in the last 20 years, they have sent search missions and rescue teams to dig up the shipwreck at Malta multiple times because the Bible is that spot on I read today you know God because Malta is still a country today and I said God I want to see because this revival broke out 58 AD a little under 2000 years ago I just did some research to see what the impact was and if it was still lasting today. And when I did my research, Pastor Todd, Malta today is a Christian country with over 90% professing Jesus Christ. Listen. What the enemy meant for bad, God will turn it around for good. And what God wants to do in your life, he wants to impact nations and generations for decades to come. Everybody standing up on your feet. pray and believe God to do something miraculous in your life. Many of us have needs tonight and we're believing God for breakthrough. And I just want you to lay all of those things down at the foot of the cross tonight. As you're buried in the water, I want you to focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, God, we just thank you tonight, God, that as we meet you tonight and as we're buried with Christ, I thank you, God, that you're going to meet and supply all of our needs according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray right now on anything that is hindering us, anything that's a distraction, God, we cancel the assignment of the enemy. We render it harmless and ineffective over our life. Father, we just pray right now that you would forgive us of all of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, for even not walking in kingdom authority and identity and inheritance. Father, we know that there is more that you have for us. So Father, we thank you right now, God, that you're calling us to a higher place. I pray that faith has been released in this house, that we would catch the fire. And that we would ignite the land
0: in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.